Hello, and welcome to a new episode of From the Honeycomb, a podcast that creates a spark of positive energy. Here we discuss all things architecture and design, to travel, exploring Vastu Shastra with a modern approach, and I connect with other like-minded women to share their story. I am your host, Katerina Burianova, and welcome to From the Honeycomb. I am joined today by Annette Varenbald, educator, author, and founder of The Virtual Cafe, a monthly online masterclass on how movies, books, and other stories can teach you to live life intentionally. Annette has created a transformative lifestyle platform for those who are lovers of cinema, books, and the art of living deliberately. Annette, welcome to From the Honeycomb Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Excited to have you. Now, as you know, we begin every episode by sharing something that we are grateful for in the present moment. So what are you grateful for? Well, at the present moment, I am very grateful for the entire concept of summer. I'm very, I'm a huge fan of living according to the seasons. And the thing about summer is that June and the first half of July is so glorious in Scandinavia where I'm based because we have so many light hours. But over the past couple of months, my mother has been hospitalized a couple of times. She's fine now, but it has made me stop and think even more about my childhood summers where we went to visit my aunt by the ocean and on a very modest budget. And one of the things I've been thinking about is that when you're a child and it's summer, does that amazing, luxurious feeling of you have no obligations, you have nothing to do, and you're just acutely aware of all the abundance around you. You tend to sort of look down and find a little, even if it's raining on an entire day, if you find one little stone with a hole in it, you can put a string and put it around your neck. That was a good day. And I've been so busy this summer. So I have tried every day to stop for at least a few minutes and sort of focus on that consciousness, that being present that we had as a child when we were, you know, during the summer, like really tasting those strawberries or whatever it is. So I just feel very, very grateful for that sense of enjoying the basics and inhaling the air after summer rain and things like that. So basically just summer and taking time every day to, even during the most busy of schedules, to really be present and live the concept of summer. So I'm feeling very grateful for that. Oh, I love that because I think as adults, we forget, you know, we get our schedules. We don't have that summer off usually. We're still doing, you know, our work, our jobs, getting groceries. And so I love that you're kind of bringing back that childhood memory of you're worry-free, carefree, you know, the days are endless. And especially where you live, evenings are so long as far as like sunlight. So Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it, it really is sort of that, just remembering that feeling makes you feel really good, I think. No, absolutely. I'll have to think on that more this next week because I know, you know, we're in the midst of summer and it's still, we're finally here in Southern California, we finally had some summer weather and it is true. It's like, you need to remember that there's also summer break for adults. Even if you can just do it for like five, 10 minutes a day, And as long as you're completely conscious and my favorite word, deliberate about it, it's not a matter of how much time you have to do it. Just do it for a little bit every day. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. (music) 
And so, Annette, I'm very excited to have you on the podcast because I one of the first workshops I did with yours was the Spring Equinox this past year, and I loved your message and just kind of how you were just talking about summer. You were talking about spring and equinox and just living with the seasons. And so tell us and share with us your journey on how you've learned to work with the seasons and, you know, creating the virtual cafe. It's a long journey, and I think it starts with the concept in a way of freedom, which I've always loved. And I always put that above any sort of dreams of ha- making a lot of money or whatever. The Just that thought that time is a non-renewable resource. I mean, that's just sort of a very recent way of expressing it. But just that how do you get the most out of your life possible? And one of the things that always struck me is that When it's winter, people are complaining that it's not summer. When it's summer, people are complaining that it's too hot or whatever. And I always think that it makes sense to really understand that the the different seasons each have value and a deep, what I call archetypal meaning and significance for us. And if we learn to live with the seasons rather than against them, we get so much more out of it. And I've always, since I was very little, I've always been very fascinated by the concept of stories. And I think it matters not only what stories we love, whether we like reading classical literature or reading books or watching TV series or or watching movies, just becoming aware that we are in effect creating a story of our lives all the time. And the more we become deliberate about that story, the more we actually give to ourselves in terms of becoming the main character, realizing that we are the writer of that story. And most of the time, people are not conscious of that or aware of that. But once you take that power back, I think it makes such a difference also in terms of how do you live in the course of the year and taking back as much of that power to yourself to become truly become the creator of your own stories with the things that happen rather than sort of trying to fight against the entire universe, basically, because you're not going to win that battle no matter what you do. Sort of, you know, some, an image I like is that if you're sitting on a a boat in a river, sometimes it makes sense to just let go of the oars and just flow with the stream rather than struggling and fighting. And yes, so I do think about that a lot. How much time are we wasting of that precious life? And for me, it's a matter of living the entire year without wasting any time as much as I possibly can and teaching others to do that. So that's sort of the basis of everything I do. Well, and I love your message about living with the seasons because, and I know you talked about this in your spring equinox course workshop, is so much like of us, we're working those long weeks and we're forgetting about the seasons. And I know you touched base on how, you know, the industrial period really changed that for us before we were living with more with the seasons. And so I know I've consciously tried to now really focus my energies on like now we're in summer, let's get a lot done, be outside as much as possible And then knowing in the fall that, you know, I'll start to slow down and then before the holidays and then in the winter come back in and and be okay with spending time indoors. Because I know I'm one of those people who it's winter. I'm like, I still wish it was summer, even though I live in California. And so I love that you are reminding us, live with the seasons. Don't think that it has to be one certain season all year round. 
Yeah, because basically, if you're doing that, if you're only longing for summer and the light and the positive things in life, you're basically amputating half of who you are. And I think that's a shame because there is a lot of power and there's a lot of value and in the darkness as well, whether we're talking about the physical darkness of winter or sometimes the physical pain of things that happen in our lives that we have no control over. Like, for instance, one thing that I think about a lot is a lot of people that I talk to at the moment are feeling overwhelmed. And it makes me think that it may be such an odd thing to say, but in a way, the pandemic was a wake-up call that for me, the, the really good sort of deliberate question was, when we then get out of that, what in mythology, in, in the hero's journey, you call the inmost cave, that you're sitting in that place of darkness of things you fear, when you then re-enter from that cave, what of the life that you had before do you really, really want to take with you? And what parts would you maybe want to leave behind? But it's as if everybody just sort of stumbled out of that cave and went right back to living the way they did before. As part of what I'm sort of almost sort of having in my own mini revolution against is saying, is there something that you would like more? Is there something that your heart is yearning for to do or to be that you weren't before, rather than just going back into that sort of mindless repetition of what you had, you know, replication of what you had before. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. It's that almost like hamster wheel where you're just spinning, you're going, you're waking up, going through the motions of the day, coming home, going to sleep. And I think you're so right about, you know, the COVID and just the last few years. I love that you bring up a good point of there's so much we could have left behind. You don't have to now that the world is different. Everybody's experience. I mean, pretty much every country's experience, what we all went through wasn't, you know, like a war or something where it's only between certain, certain nations. So I love that you're saying, you know, you don't have to bring everything back with you. You can now kind of, it's like a whole new chapter for all of us and we're starting fresh. And that is the way I see it. That is part of what I call the art of living deliberate and why stories is such an important part of my life and always has been, have been, is that what if you think of it as a story you're writing and now you can rewrite it, you can reinvent mm -hmm. the story now. And even, I mean, the latest workshop I just released recently called Revitalize, it's all about that, is that even if you only have, you know, if you have like a roadmap for doing it, even if you only have 15 minutes a day to become more aware of this, this is going to make a huge and actually measurable difference in your life. So it's not about you have to give up everything or throw caution to the wind or throw yourself into something you don't know. It doesn't even have to be on that big a scale. It's really basically the act of becoming more deliberate about creating your life. It's more a, a question of consciousness rather than having a lot of time or money to do it. Mm -hmm. No, and I just was thinking about also like the lifestyle that you have created for yourself, which I admire so much. Thank and you, you <laughs> I know you're in Nice and you're in Copenhagen, London, and I would love to hear how you have created like your story and yeah, your story in all these little areas in around the world. 
Yeah, and let me just start out by saying again, if anybody's thinking, oh, that's easy enough if you have a huge budget. I'm doing this on the smallest budget you could possibly imagine, and I'm doing it very modestly. So what I did, again, several years ago with that whole becoming the main character in your life and being inspired by characters, which is another thing I'm really big about, is that the stories you love, what is it that the characters in those stories that you like or don't like, what are they telling you? And so I sat down, maybe it's about, you know, it's as if the whole pandemic period is is blocked out, but so maybe it was actually about seven years ago, I sat down and thought, what would I really, really like? What would really give me pleasure rather than just doing the whole building a career and only focusing on that? And I'd been writing a book on the films of Martin Scorsese and I'd finished that book. So suddenly I sort of had some time and energy left open. And the, the answer that came to me was I would really like, I'm based in Copenhagen, but I would really like to live at least a month every year. I'm a huge city person in another city other than Copenhagen. So I sat down, I think it was actually on the winter solstice that I sat down in the darkness with a pen and paper and I just started making a list of what are the cities that really speak to me. So I had this list of cities, Paris, Nice, London, Edinburgh, New York, and, and like a list of cities. And then I just thought, well, how can I make that a reality? It Because the month of living somewhere else, it doesn't have to be a month all at once. I mean, you could split it off if you don't have time to go, but at least a sum total of a month every year. So I had this list of cities and I thought, well, how are you even going to start this? So I went on then, the there was an equivalent to Airbnb called House Trip. I think it's, it's TripAdvisor that had it. So I went on there and I found this place in Paris by coincidence. You know, I had met someone online that I wanted to meet in person and go and have coffee with. So I'm going to start with Paris. And so I booked this place in an area of Paris I didn't know anything about in the, the fifth arrondissement on the left bank. And so I just went there for four days and I was feeling really strange. And then one day the landlady that I was renting that place from came to the flat to show me something. And I was in a very strange mood. So I got talking with her and I got to know her a little bit. And then when I came home, I thought, why don't you ask her if that place is available for a month in August? It will be totally possible for me to go away for, you know, I suddenly realized this was in the spring that I went, I can go, I can go in August. So I wrote her and asked, can I, is there any, no, 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 it was all rented out in August. That wasn't possible. Then 10 minutes later, she wrote me and said, but we're, as most Parisians do, we're leaving Paris for all of August. So maybe I haven't talked to my husband yet, but maybe you could stay at our house and feed our fish and water our plants. So that's what ended up happening. And then because I got to know her for a long, I had this list of cities, but for the longest time I stayed in Paris. And the thing I do then since then, it has been London and it has been Nice a lot. And again, as what I said about sort of going with a boat in the river, what the way I've done it is I have the list. So I, you know, I always in my courses and in my work define what I call true north. What is it that you would really like? What is the end goal? And then the route it takes to get there, it doesn't matter as much as you're creating that story, as long as you know sort of what is your true north. So then I have this list of cities and I've always said, whatever comes 
the easiest right now. That's where I'll go and stay. So it started out being Paris. And what I do is on a modest budget and I rent a cheap place and it has to be sort of nice and in a good neighborhood, but I set up an everyday life as soon as that, whether I go for a month or a week or a long weekend, it, when I go as part of this plan, it's not vacation time. It's not time off. It's part of living my purpose. So I bring my MacBook and I set up office. The first thing I do, go out and buy flowers, set up my computer, go to the grocery shop, buy groceries. And then I get up early in the morning and I start working in the morning. Often I take a walk first, then work, then around lunch, I take a, a walk and then I work. And in the evening I have that off. So I set up an everyday life. And the really magical thing that happens with that, at least for me, is that that place becomes home rather than just a place you visit. So I now have, you know, seven years later, despite the lockdowns and everything, I have this list of places that I have actually, where I feel I've lived there. So it's the same pattern, whether I can afford, both in terms of time and money, whether I can afford to go for a whole month or even just five days. But I just set it up the exact same way. Always bringing something that's personal, like a scented candle I like, or you know something, at least my, my MacBook, or sometimes only my iPad. So yeah, so that's the story of that. And so I've, at the moment, I've sort of had, I've had Paris and still do and London and, and Nice. And so I'm thinking what, what will be the next one? But, you know, but I always go with what is the lowest hanging fruit? What is, what makes it easy so that it doesn't become a big dream because you know what, then you end up not getting it done. So for me, it is what is accessible now? Where have I found a place where that I can go back to? Very often, I then go back to the same place over and over until that suddenly isn't possible anymore, and then I move to a new place. So that's the story behind that. Wow, and you brought up a really good point about setting up a routine in these places. And I like that you're making it become a home rather than, like you said, making it a vacation spot. You buy flowers, you go to the grocery store, you bring something of your favorite, like a candle, and you set up a home. And I think in a way you're already connecting with that place on such a deeper level than if you were like, okay, I'm here for a month and I'm just going to do, you know, whatever it is. But you've created that routine and it's you've also learned about the city in such a different way, like a local as well. So I can see why it would have such a deep, deeper like relationship you would have with it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's what I'm, I'm all about that, what creating, I call it maps, that you have a map. Because if you just go and you don't know exactly what, and very often nowadays, I didn't do that at the beginning, but I've learned that if I'm going, especially if I'm going for a shorter period, I have one project that I'm bringing with me. So I don't do admin work where I'm there. I turn off my email, so let somebody else answer them and all that stuff so that I have a creative project. Typically, I'm working on, on a product. This last time in Nice, I created that new workshop so that I know exactly what is it that I'd like to accomplish these two or three or four weeks or whatever. And that's the only thing I focus on. Is it that's really is a luxury for me too. Because as, as you probably have so many balls in the air uh, normally. Yes. No, no, it, it is. I, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking too, because now that I work for myself, one thing my husband and I have been talking about is the luxury of 
I can bring my laptop and work on certain things for an extended period of time. And so we're trying to somehow craft our life. So he's a contractor, so he'll have projects going on for a certain period of time, and then he'll be off the project. And so we've been talking about when he gets off a project, we can have a month or two. Is it possible for us to go somewhere, but with me still continuing to work and giving him more of the time off? But like you said, kind of creating a home in these certain places around the world would really like to visit, get to know the place more as well. So you're definitely an inspiration for us. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I, I really do think that it's a very different way of exploring it. You said before on a deeper level, and I'm always all about a deeper level. I sometimes see myself as in the energy, almost like the archaeologist. You just keep digging deeper and deeper and getting to know places and people really, really well, rather than going to a ton of different places, really, really creating something that is deep and lasting that and it changes who you are no absolutely and it just made me think have you ever thought because I know you work with the seasons would you ever go to the southern hemisphere to experience like summer in our typical winter months have you ever thought about doing that no I haven't but now I will (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, because it just it's interesting. I just was thinking about like in Australia right now, it's it's winter. And I, exactly. you know, I listen to a few winter podcasts and I follow some people in Australia. And it's always interesting hearing their ads about, you know, cozying up as I'm like taking off my sweaters. And it's it's so I just was wondering if, if you'd ever yeah. if you'd ever go south. Yeah. But and then these cities that you, you know, is there anything you look for? Like you're saying you're thinking about the next city. Do you look for inspiration through books, movies, or what inspires you to find that next city? Well, I think what inspires me is partly that books and movies, probably books more than movies, which is why I'm thinking I have this feeling that I would love to go back to Paris and explore that more. But I'm thinking that Edinburgh will probably be next because I don't know if you've ever been in Edinburgh, but I swear it's like being in a Harry Potter book. It really, really is. And it has this really rich literary tradition of all these sort of mysterious, and it has a certain darkness to it as well. Um, So maybe that will be next, but I'm not Mm -hmm. sure. Um, and but but the only there is a downside to all this, which is because these cities are now home, you always miss someplace. You know, you're always wherever you are, you're always missing somewhere else. But I see that as a very luxurious problem, um, and I can totally live with that. <laughs> No, of course. And coming down to books as well, just out of curiosity, what are some of your favorite books? I tend to like slightly darker books again, like some of the Gothic novels. I just read this year, I read Jane Eyre, I reread Jane Eyre, and I reread Bram Stoker's Dracula. I really like some of the darker books, I, and I love the Harry Potter books. But my favorite writer is probably Ernest Hemingway. And again, there is a mystery in some of these books. It's like, I like riddles and mysteries that you have to solve, that there is a sort of deeper layers of all these books that I like. I'm not very good at reading very sort of straightforward books, unless it's Agatha Christie. I mean, I I like those things as well. But I, I tend to like the Gothic novels, and I love classical literature. And my probably my favorite book is The Count of Monte Cristo. So, you know, I love classical literature. The French Lieutenant's Woman is another book I really, really love. Um, 
I'll have to read um, one of those books because I, I've been studying for my exams for so many years, and this year I've really devoted time to reading books. And I've read now I'm maybe on my thirteenth or fourteenth book. Some books are easy beach reads, you know, and then some are very much deeper. There's one I'm reading right now called Hunting and Gathering by a French author. I'll have to share the name with you later, but I don't remember it. But so there's, you know, those deeper level books. And it's always, I always get so invested in the book. And then there's always that period of when I come out of a story, I always have to give myself like a few days before I go into the next novel or the next story. And there's just something about when you dive deep into stories that, and you become like part of the characters and like the book I'm reading now, it took me almost 120 pages to get in, which was a little interesting, but now I'm deep into the characters. And what you mentioned earlier in the episode is think about what are the characters trying to teach you or tell you. And I just thought of that book and some of the characters now that I've invested in them. And, you know, I like one of the characters. I don't like another. And I like that perspective of what you're saying is what is the character trying to teach from you? And what, you know, maybe why don't I like this character or why don't I resonate with them or why do I resonate with them? So I think that's a really powerful perspective when you're, you know, reading about characters. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's why I work a lot with stories as if they almost were myths. And that means the characters, I see them as archetypal sides of ourselves. And that means whatever, it's something that I'm very fascinated by, is that people always think that their opinion are facts, <laughs> but it really isn't. You know, your tastes and your opinions really in the final analysis says a lot more about you than whatever it is you have the opinion about. And I don't mean that as a criticism. It's just once you realize that, then everything you read and watch becomes a mirror reflecting something back to you about deeper sides of yourself that you can then explore. And that means that if there is a character you really admire, I always suggest, you know, I have this PDF that where I, I give you instructions how to sit down and write three, what are the three characteristics you really admire in this character? And then realize that those three characteristics are part of who you are that maybe need a bit more of your attention. And the other way around, perhaps even more interestingly, if there's a character you really detest, I always say to people who in Harry Potter, for instance, or the Game of Thrones, whatever, who can you absolutely not stand? And that's the most fascinating character that you should look at. Why? Why do you respond that way to that character? Interesting. And it's also what partly what we do in the virtual cafe that you asked about before is that we look really deeply into different kinds of stories, whether it's in song lyrics or television or sort of classical myths or literature or film. What is it that they're really teaching us? I call it walking in the footsteps of heroes and standing on the shoulders of giants. Because once you start seeing the fiction that you watch that way, you get so much more out of it than just binge watching. And I really love what you said, that it takes you a few days to get out of that book before you start reading the next one. It's always the way I recommend that people do it. Rather, I mean, it's not that I don't binge watch myself. I'm absolutely guilty of that, but it's just not... You just don't get that much out of it other than fast food. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, it is true. There is a few stories I have, like how you say, it's even binge reading, which story, it's like a sequel or something. That's what I do. I do like, you know, getting sequels like that. But you need that pause. You need that moment to reflect on. You just went on a journey with these characters. They had their development. 
And I think subconsciously you had some sort of development with them because of what you were learning, or as you said, like what you see in the characters. Yeah. If you look back at the history of mankind, for the longest time before we had any sort of science or knowledge, people always had stories. And stories are, why? What is it that they do? Well, they teach us about ourselves and each other in the world we live in on a much deeper level, because it is that stories have access to those parts of you that, that your conscious mind really actually doesn't have access to. So it will push those buttons. And if you if you listen carefully, it is like a like an Aladdin's cave of value that a lot of people don't see. So, so and that's what my work is about, is sort of opening the portals to that vast amount of knowledge. Oh, absolutely. And just a random question, because you, you speak multiple languages, correct? Yeah. What languages do you like to read in? English. English. <laughs> yeah, my native language is Danish, but I speak English. I write, I take notes in English. I read English. I sort of live English. And I'm not exactly sure why. That just happened sometime before I, I knew it. So, yeah. So okay. always English. Uh, it's interesting because the book I'm reading right now was translated from French. And so there's moments you can see in the translation, like they talk about the formal vu and is it vu and tu? Vu and vu? Yeah. Like, yeah, informal and formal you. Yeah. And the translator had to kind of, you know, translate it in a way so that in English it translated. And so I've been, as I've been reading, I don't speak French. I lived in Paris during my university years for four months, but it was very hard to learn for me. And I just, I, I learned a little bit, but so I still think about, you know, as I'm reading how it was translated and how the story and the character development is a little different as well. So that's why I was curious, the languages, if, if there's a novel you like, have you read it in different languages to see if something else comes up? Yeah. I mean, I, I do try to read things that are French literature to read that in French as much as possible. And I, I sort of do can you read French fluently? I, I think, I mean, I can read most things in French. I can't always say everything in French and French people speak so fast. So I don't always understand it, even though I've been there a lot. But yeah, I, I do think there is a value to reading things in the original language. Definitely. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And um, let's see. I, so we talked about your virtual cafe and some of your courses. I know we we have the fall equinox coming up and winter solstice. Will you be hosting those workshops again? Absolutely. I will be hosting the both of them, both the fall the and, and the winter solstice. I mean, the winter solstice, definitely. I do that every year and they are completely free. So anybody who signs up for my newsletter will always get an invitation every four times a year to those free masterclasses where I talk about that. Yeah, no, and those are so powerful. I was just blown away, like I said, by your spring equinox. I don't remember the summer solstice if I was able to make it or not, but there is like coming back to, you know, how we were talking about the seasons is really honing in on each season. And I think your workshop too gave me a sense of pause because you also brought up a good point in it is like in the spring, it's kind of like a new year. And how at the beginning of the year, you know, we think January is the month of, you know, goals and New Year's resolutions, but seasonally we're still in the depths of winter. And so it's made me really think about this last year very differently. Oh, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah, because I mean, it makes absolutely no sense to me that people set those big goals in January because 
you will be fighting, as I said again before, that you will be fighting against the entire universe. You'll be rolling like frantic, and then you get tired, and then you give it up, and then you feel so disappointed in yourself. Dream, you know, January is for dreaming. Last part of the, after the winter um, solstice, that period is for dreaming so that once the sun comes back, that's when you start acting on all the dreams you made and vision maps you made or whatever it is. Just really listen to yourself. What is my soul and my heart yearning for? And then when the spring comes, that's when you start doing it. And also again, but that's just me, that may not be everyone, that we tend to have goal setting as I have to do this because there's something wrong with me. You know, I have to get better at this or that, or have bigger goals or make more money, whatever it is. And on an archetypal level, your conscious ego may set those goals, but the rest of you will be fighting against that concept, that feeling about yourself that something is wrong with me you know the rest of you won't be the Jungians talk about if you imagine a cork like from a bottle of wine in an ocean the cork corresponds to your conscious ego that relate and and the ocean corresponds to the rest of you so this tiny little cork setting those goals and insisting on doing it in January and the rest of you's like nah <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, go with the yeah. seasons. Like, for instance, as you said, in summer, it doesn't matter so much if you go outside or if you overwork yourself a little bit because you can always rest a little bit later. As the only thing you really have to worry about in the summer is don't get too overheated. As long as you take care of that, then you're fine. But yeah, definitely. The equinoxes, the spring and the autumn, they're the time of balance where you can have the balance between light and dark and rest and work. So they're the perfect time for, for doing something. So you have these in the Persian, I mean, like in Iran and Afghanistan, the, the Persian New Year is actually on the spring equinox. Oh, that's right. And it makes sense. And even in the old calendar, you know, if you think about it, September means the seventh month of the year. October means the eighth month of the year. Why are they called seven, eight, nine, ten? It's because in the old Roman calendar, January and February weren't counted as months at all because that was just taken out. You, that you just rested. So the year only started in March. <laughs> wow. I, yeah. I did not know that about the, the February and January. Interesting. So this episode will be coming out towards the end of summer, end of August. And so for listeners who are listening now, and I know, you know, fall is just around the corner and there's some people like me who still want to hold on to that summer just a little bit longer. What is your advice for kind of the next few weeks leading in from August into September to really fully capture that summer energy before we move into the fall months? is just, as I said at the beginning, just really treasure that time. Make sure that you take, even if it's only 10, 15 minutes every day, where you're really deliberate about refueling, re, you know, recharging your batteries so that you do things every single day that you really enjoy, things that have to do with summer, whether you like, if you buy those strawberries 
or whatever berries may be in season where you are, raspberries probably, really, really taste them, really take time to indulge in everything summer. And because in France, they have this concept called la rentrée, which means corresponds a little bit to back to school, but back to school is mainly for children. So la rentrée is for everyone, is that you're coming back from vacation at the end, typically in France at the end of August, and then you're getting ready almost as a second or third, depending on how you out, new year, starting a new year then. And so you see it that with as you're letting go of summer, you're really approaching a time of balance with the fall equinox, that you have that balance between light and dark and energy and rest. And it, it, that's a really beautiful period as well. No, absolutely. I know I lived in Chicago for a few years and at the end of summer, I really did not like fall coming because I knew that, you know, the darker days were coming. So I wish I had your perspective on just enjoying those summer months because winters there were very long. And so I like that you're saying cherish the moments now and because, yeah, fall has its own, you know, positive things that'll come up and winter as well. And just taking that with that positivity. Yeah, and the other thing is to become conscious of, if you think about it archetypally, the summer half of the year that is from the spring equinox to the fall equinox, that is the masculine part of the year. With light and sunshine and going out, the energy moving outwards, whereas from the fall to the spring, that's the feminine half of the yin part of the year. And I think it is very sort of interesting that we're living in a world where we we focus more on the masculine, going out, doing, doing, doing. Think of it this way. As soon as you sort of round the fall equinox, that is a time for being rather than doing, mm -hmm. for co contacting, you know, getting in touch with your deeper, more mysterious. The feminine principle is very mysterious. Masculine principle is very straightforward. So start looking forward to that. Oh, my God, it's such a luxurious in its own way that half of the year where you can really start exploring things deep inside yourself because you're not running around doing all the time. I'm going to use that for this fall because I feel like I'm I'm I've worked so hard lately and I'm thinking about like oh when will be that rest period and I like that you're saying wait for fall winter those feminine times to really look in so that's a beautiful yeah. beautiful message but but you know and also as I said which is part of that revitalized workshop is all you really need to stay on track is 10-15 minutes a day Obviously, you can do more, and that would be wonderful. But just to, if you do it on a daily basis, the results will be so much bigger than if you do it like for a whole day, twice a year. Um, so, so I think it is partly, yeah, just become deliberate about whatever it is, and and play with the, you know, go with this with the flow sometimes instead of fighting against whatever it is. No, absolutely. Well, Annette, thank you so much for coming on from the Honeycomb Podcast. I really love this conversation. You're so profound with your words and the way you describe everything and explaining the seasons and characters in books. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course. And where can listeners find you? They can find me on my website, that is AnnetteWarnblatt.com. And I think, will it be in the show notes? Yes, yes, it will. Yeah. And so they can find me there and they can grab my free PDF. If you want to get started right away with everything I'm talking about, you can grab that. And I'm also on Instagram, which is Instagram.com slash Annette Warnblatt. 
Perfect. Yeah. I will provide links in the show notes. Annette, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of From the Honeycomb Podcast. I would love if you left a review and rated the episode. You can click the follow button so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can follow me on Instagram at From the Honeycomb Podcast. You can also support the podcast through the patron link in the show notes. Your support makes more of From the Honeycomb Podcast episodes possible. There's also my monthly newsletter, which you can subscribe to, that comes out once a month where I share a personal message with you, also some intellectual architecture articles, a Vastu Shastra tip of the month, and we also have a book month. So that comes out every seventh of the month. Thank you so much and see you next Friday.